Hi, I'm Robin Birkin and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast, a place for women struggling to conceive to find emotional support, conception advice and real talk. To me, being a warrior means true glory is in rising every time we fall, having the courage to be afraid and being ready for whatever challenges cross our path. So welcome warrior, you're on your way. I promise to support and guide you on every single episode. Let's begin. Hi, Fertility Warriors, and welcome to another episode of the Fertility Warriors podcast. I love bringing guest expert interviews to you, and today I have my good friend and traditional Chinese medicine guru, Adrian Wee, joining us on the podcast. Some of you, well, actually probably a lot of you, are probably also subscribed to Adrian's podcast. She has the Practically Fertile podcast. You may also know her because she has her programs. I'm going to get her to talk all about her programs at the end of this podcast. But everything that she does has a beautiful traditional Chinese medicine approach. And she's going to talk to us today all about type A personalities and how that kind of looks in a traditional Chinese medicine perspective because I find this, in all truth, I'm completely fascinated by this topic and my questions are genuine questions because I want to know all about this myself. Um, But we're also going to bust some PCM myths, okay? So let's dive in. A huge welcome to you to the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I am so glad to be here. So you are my TCM guru. Like we've kind of been jamming together at, you know, you guys have got your fertility warrior friends. We've got our like podcast fertility friends um, and Adrian's one of mine. And I'm truly fascinated by the whole approach. Can you give me a little bit of an intro on like TCM, how it's originated, what the basis is for it uh, and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So TCM stands for traditional Chinese medicine. And obviously it's been around forever because the Chinese civilization has been around for thousands of years. And, and the thing is like, nobody really truly know exactly how it started, but it came from people observing nature and they were observing how we could live in sync with nature. So like, you know, certain times of the year, we eat certain foods because that's what was available. And then they started noticing that that was benefiting their health. So that started to evolve into a real medical system. And Chinese medicine has different branches. So there's acupuncture, which a lot of people are familiar with. And then there's herbal medicine and then there's diet therapy and and all that. But all of them follow the traditional Chinese medicine principles of how we have qi that's flowing through our body. We have blood, we have the yin and the yang. And that's what I call the four basic substances that power your body. And so what it really boiled down to in Chinese medicine is where are these energetics imbalanced? So as long as you know where, which of these substances are a little out of whack and it's the beauty of it, so it's different for every single person. So that means that your treatment plans and things that you would do to enhance health will be completely different than the person next to you. So 
it is absolutely fascinating. And one of my, my favorite thing about this medicine is the fact that it's always really interesting to see where each person's imbalances are. First thing I'll say though, is when we're looking at pregnancy from just my (laughs) common sense perspective, there's two places that have lots of people, China and India. And so I'm like, well, there's got to be some, uh, something's working there. (laughs) Oh, exactly. (laughs) I'm always like, you know, Chinese people wouldn't be around if this medicine didn't work. You know, (laughs) I mean, we've been around for like 3000 years. (laughs) Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about the process of how you what kind of things you look at, you know, to develop that sort of personal, I guess, profile of someone to figure out their imbalances. What's the process? Yeah. So it's quite a lengthy interview actually, or like an intake. So we, we have what we call the 10 questions. Obviously there's more than 10, but the 10 basic questions where we really dive into your past and present health history So for example, digestion, right? So we really dive into digestion. Like, do you get bloated? When do you get bloated? Before you eat, after you eat, at night, in the morning, you know, stools, loose, but sometimes loose, sometimes not, you know, constipation, but how constant are you? So it's incredibly detailed and Based on your answer, that's how we determine, you know, which of the substances are off balance because, you know, if it's somebody who is, let's just use diarrhea as an example, but like if somebody who has chronic loose stools versus somebody who's had, um, you know, chronic watery stools like diarrhea, but only happens when she's stressed out or something. So that's entirely different balance right? So one of them is chi stagnation, one of them is chi deficiency. So that we differentiate by asking really, really detailed questions. And also when it comes to fertility, I have what I call the 10 parameters of a fertile cycle. So I evaluate your cycle health based on these 10 parameters so that we know exactly what is happening with your cycle and, um, you know, just because you have a regular cycle doesn't mean it's a fertile cycle. And that really has to identify where your energy is off balance and what exactly you need to work on. First of all, wow, that's awesome. And I feel a little bit like some of the natural modalities that we, you know, are starting to follow in Western medicine, it, sometimes it's like the same concepts but just different words and different things. And that almost like this new age medicine is kind of catching on to similar things that obviously must mean that it's a thing, you know, it's like in language when around the world, when there's similar concepts for the same thing, it's obviously a thing. And I love that we could talk about poo on the podcast, but poo is so (laughs) Yes, we love talking about, I mean, (laughs) that's one of the things where, you know, a lot of my clients and patients are always like, oh, I'm sorry, but I had to do, you know, like I have this and I'm constipated. I'm like, great. Like we need to know that because that's one of the most easiest way for me to figure out where each person's imbalances are. You know, that is just like, it's so important for us to talk about that. I wonder if you would see a lot of this as well, but most of the people who join things like the Fertility Warrior Intensive Program, people who listen to my podcast, We are type A personalities. So we are used to working really hard. We're really successful at our jobs. We push, push, push. These are the type of people that we are. 
Do you see common themes amongst people who are type A personalities? Yeah. And, you know, even within the type A, we have different classifications too. But for example, so the big umbrella would be somebody who's type A typically fall into either chi stagnation or chi deficiency categories. So chi is like electricity that's flowing through your house. Same thing as going through your body. You know, it's there. You just can't see it. There's no way to measure it. So, you know, when somebody who's high achiever, perfectionist, type A, they're very prone to qi stagnation because in Chinese medicine, we have, in addition to these four substances, we also, you know, we're very detailed. So we look at the organ systems of the body and each of the organ systems actually correspond to different things. Like each of the organ systems correspond to a different season, a different taste, a different emotion. And type A people kind of fall into the liver organ system where the liver is in charge of emotions and the emotion that's associated most frequently with the liver is anger. I'm not saying that every type A person is angry, but that is just the personality of the liver chi stagnation prone person is that they're very easily affected by any type of emotional disturbance. So it's like whenever, you know, you, you look at something and it's not what you expected, this liver cheese stagnation person would just, you know, all of a sudden go, oh my God, like I messed up, like, uh, right? So then all of a sudden their energy just becomes blocked and the liver cheese stagnation person, but then there's different classifications where you go one step down. And so this person worries a lot. Not only is she type A, but she's also a worry work then she would go into the spleen chi deficiency category where the liver and the spleen, these two organs, they affect each other. And this is where, this is the type of person where you're going to see a lot of the IBS symptoms, the mm-hmm. alternating diarrhea constipation. So that's, I hope I'm making sense, kind of went on, went down this woo-woo road. But <laughs> so much sense. Yeah. So. Um, that's how we will look at somebody who's very high strong. They're very tense. That's a liver cheese stagnation person. So does that answer your question? That so answers my question. It's so funny that you mentioned anger as a, one of the key emotions because my book is called Screw Infertility, which is all about, it centers around this moment that my fertility specialist looked at me and said, are you fine? And I was like, I just said, I'm fine. And he said, no, you're not. You're so angry. And it hit me like a ton of bricks that I had never acknowledged Mm. emotion of anger before. And, I mean, you nailed, obviously, like I'm quite a lot different now. That's exactly the type of person and stuff that I'm prone to that is the same stuff that a lot of my warriors are dealing with. So, yeah, exactly. I think what you say is highly strung, you know, sometimes led by our emotions, which is often that kind of anger state, a lot of mm-hmm. IVF and that switching from like one to the next. So I feel like you nailed it right there. Actually, I want to give you an example of how exactly it will affect fertility, just so we can, you know, kind of have some 
things in perspective. So a typical cheese stagnation person, some of the ways that you show up in effective fertility would be like very long cycles. So they would have delayed ovulation. You know, it, it wouldn't happen on day 14 or something, or it would be a little bit later than usual. And then if this person's under tremendous amount of stress, the ovulation gets pushed out even more. That's a very classic liver cheese stagnation. So I don't know if some of your worriers, hopefully somebody out there is like, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) Or, you know, liver cheese stagnation could also shop as PCOS, where there's all that accumulation showing up as cysts on your ovaries. And so, you know, sometimes with PCOS, you don't have regular cycles. So, you know, that's another place where the cheese stagnation can really show up. So, which means, you know, what you're talking about too, is like mindset is so important (laughs) to keep this chi flowing so that we could have a normal cycle. So let's talk about the treatment types that you have. So obviously acupuncture, we all know acupuncture. That's like one tiny part of the picture, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. And a lot of people don't go see acupuncturists. So, you know, there's many ways for you to embrace Chinese medicine without having to go get acupuncture. And, you know, like I was saying before, acupuncture is one part of it, but there's this whole other part of diet, lifestyle, mindset work, and all that. You know, obviously, if you combine them together, you're going to see results much quicker, uh, which is in my acupuncture, that's, that's what we do. But for my online programs, a lot of our members, I would say half of them are going to an acupuncturist, half of them are not. But I think a lot more people are embracing that inside my program because of me and my influence. But, you know, if you go to an acupuncturist and I know acupuncture is very popular in Australia too. And if you go to an acupuncturist, they are going to be able to ask you all these questions, come up with a treatment plan for you. And then they're going to be able to adjust your point prescription every time you go, depending on what has changed, what got better, what needs more improvement. So like a lot of what I do inside my program is everything except the acupuncture. (laughs) But I am making a acupressure protocol. I'm testing it right now with several members. And you know, you can do acupressure on yourself. It's just, um, you know, you're going to have to hold the point versus an acupuncturist would just needle the point and then they leave the room and leave you to relax for a while. Yeah. Acupuncture is, is really popular here in Australia, especially for infertility, like mostly for infertility. But I would also say that there's good acupuncturists and bad acupuncturists. Not bad acupuncturists. Yeah, there are bad acupuncturists. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Anyway, it's always going to be like, and that's why sometimes you need to test and try things. So your programs are called the Fertile Lab, right? The Fertile Period Lab. Mm -hmm. So it's based on this idea of that fertile cycle and the 10 parameters. So we use that as a feedback system. Every month we reevaluate the cycle and see what has improved and what it hasn't. So these cycles, the parameters were, I created it because just, you know, from my experience, obviously, but based on Chinese medicine and looking at the four substances and they're all different ways to evaluate 
possibility of egg quality issues or lining quality issues. So, you know, it's really interesting. Yes, we're talking about Chinese medicine inside my program, but it's like we're always relating it in Western medicine terms. (laughs) Like if I say something like, oh, you know, you're yin deficient, that really means that the estrogen is really affected. That's fascinating. And you run a separate one for PCOS, don't you? I do. I have just because my diet protocols for PCOS is a little bit different just because most people come into the PCOS program with without having a regular cycle. So the diet considerations are very different just because PCOS people have the insulin resistance that they're battling. We really need to get that under control. So a lot of it, you know, we start with diet therapy intensely for PCOS to some people need to lose weight. You know, some people need to work through some of that cheese stagnation. Some people really, you know, just to start regulating their cycles before we can even work on the fertile period. Yes. And so let's circle back. So in your programs, so people essentially get the tools to kind of detect themselves, right? Yes. There's a full assessment and you get scores. So like, you know, there's uh, six different sets of 60 questions or so. And then your top two score will be your top two pattern. And when I say pattern, I really mean like a diagnosis and imbalance, right? So like your pattern is your personal pattern that tells me where your imbalances are. And most people have two, like two primary patterns that are responsible for causing all the symptoms of their secondary patterns. So you got to figure it out because you know, sometimes just as, for example, spotting during mid-cycle, just because spotting during mid-cycle is a symptom of qi deficiency, it does not mean that you are qi deficient. We have to take everything else into consideration to figure out exactly what your imbalances are. And I think that's very different than Western medicine, because I think sometimes Western medicine, it's very like cut and dry. Like, you have the symptom that means you have this condition and Chinese medicine's not like that. And sometimes it causes a little bit of like, you know, I'm scratching my head too. Like, okay, let's like really figure this out because like, you know, it could be this or it could be that. Right. And everything is connected. So it's sometimes I have members who end up with three primary patterns and that's okay. But <laughs> it's just very interesting how to just be like, Wow. Okay. Like everything is being affected right now. (laughs) So let's talk just quickly about acupuncture. You can't just have one session of acupuncture, can you? Oh, no. And that's like one of my things is like, it's my pet peeve when people come one session and expect to feel 110% better. And especially when it comes to fertility. I mean, we know that it takes a while for your hormones to balance. It takes a while to work on the egg quality and all that. So it's not like one session, maybe for pain. Okay. Like Robin, if you came in and you had like back pain, maybe with one session, you would feel much, much better. Right. But like when it comes to fertility, it's such deep rooted imbalances, it's going to take a while. So you would have to commit to like a series of treatments. And typically three months is when we begin to see major, major improvements. And, you know, hopefully in pregnancy, but, you know, just everybody's different. So within, you should see some type of improvement within three months for sure. 
So then outside of acupuncture, can you tell me maybe three of the things that someone with this like liver chi deficiency, like what kind of things would that look like or actions or herbs or what kind of treatment would that look like? Yeah, liver chi stagnation. So like for chi stagnation and the exercise protocol, it's very detailed because it's dependent on the phases of your cycle and then your personal pattern. So everything I do inside my program, it's pattern dependent and cycle dependent. So one of the things about exercise is that we know that we can't over exercise because that is going to produce too much cortisol. I mean, it's, you know, sending your body all the wrong signals, but the thing for cheese stagnation people is they are the group of people that can exercise a little bit more because they need it to keep the chi flowing. So not exercising for liver chi stagnation people is very, very bad. I mean, don't, not going crazy. And, you know, ironically, things like, for example, the, the type of yoga that requires you to hold a pose for a long time, that's actually not good for chi stagnation. So like flow, power, flow, I mean, those are all really good. So I would say, you know, exercise, but exercise pre-ovulation, <laughs> post-ovulation, we want to preserve your chi because as you go into the two-week way, but, you know, pre-ovulation, you need to work out a little bit more. So it's different for everybody, but I just kind of recommend, you know, maybe like three times a week would be good. That's considered to be kind of like a safe zone of workout and that's exercise. And then she said nation people, they need to work on mindset a lot, a lot, a lot. The practice of gratitude. I mean, you know, meditation, although personally I am a chi stagnation person and I find meditation very, very hard for me. Mm-hmm. So I meditate, but not like in traditional sense. I, I actually, I do moving meditation. Yep. So, you know, I will be moving around and just doing my meditation, walking or something like that. So mindset is very important for cheese stagnation. And third, when it comes to diet, things like, and, you know, Western nutrition may have something similar, but leafy greens are amazing for cheese stagnation people because leafy green vegetables and Chinese medicine, they tend to be a little bit more cooling when it comes to property. And that is good for chi stagnation because when your energy gets stuck for too long, it's going to generate a lot of heat and heat equals inflammation. So leafy greens are a good group of foods to eat that would help with the the chi stagnation. Wow. That's blown my mind because I would definitely (laughs) myself as a chi stagnation. And as you were saying that, I was like, damn, I don't do enough exercise. (laughs) But it's interesting that, you know, like I get a lot of fertility warriors who struggle with meditation. I've certainly like had my moments with meditation, but I am practicing like a type of Mishkam Karma meditation that is taught by Emily Fletcher. And I feel like for the first time ever, I'm really meshing with meditation, but we do obviously a lot of meditations and things like that in the Fertility Warrior Intensive Program. But it's interesting, yeah, that you say that because when a person who is the perfectionist type A? It's like your brain never stops. That meditation is about stopping your brain because your brain's always going to tick along. But 
yeah, it's interesting because you're that type of person. So it's about finding, I guess, some calm amongst the chaos of your head to move through when it comes to meditation. So can we bust a few myths or confirm a few myths with you? So the first one that I wanted to ask, so do we wear socks after we've had a transfer? (laughs) I love that. Yes, absolutely. Here's a good reason. Because the bottom of your foot is a point on the kidney channel. And Mm -hmm. why is a kidney so important? It's because in Chinese medicine, they house your reproductive energy. Similar to Western medicine, we talk about genetics, we talk about, you know, DNA. Chinese medicine, they didn't know anything about DNA 3,000 years ago, but it was it's the kidney organ that's responsible. And the entry point, the first point on the meridian is on the bottom of your foot. So what happens is if you don't wear socks and you're walking around barefoot, especially if you have tile floor, like you have carpet all around your house, not, not as big of a deal. But if you have tile hardwood and it's winter and you don't wear socks, all that cold energy is going to enter your body. And cold energy is very detrimental to fertility. So what you don't know is that the kidney meridian runs along the inside of your leg and it passes through your pelvic area. So all that cold energy is going to go into the uterus and then that creates a cold uterus and babies don't want to be cold, right? So (laughs) that is not going to be an ideal environment for implantation. So that is my thing is that wear socks after ovulation during the two weeks. If you're somebody who's already cold, like hands and feet cold, or if you've suffered multiple miscarriages, multiple miscarriages for us too is caused by cold uterus. So anything warm, keep yourself warm, bundled up, <laughs> wear socks around the house. <laughs> okay. So my next one is smoothies for breakfast. Yay or nay? Nay. Okay. But I promote moderation. Mm-hmm. So again, we don't want to bombard a body with coldness. Mm-hmm. And I, I always tell people too, I'm like, you know, how often do you go to a Chinese restaurant and you see something like cold or raw on the menu? Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just not a big part of Chinese culture. So I'm not saying that that's not, hasn't changed nowadays, but you know, Chinese medicine, you know, we don't include raw or cold foods. So when you do a smoothie for breakfast, if you are not adding ice to it, you are not adding frozen berries or frozen fruit, you're just doing a little bit of room temperature fruit, and then maybe like a splash of almond milk or something like that, like that is okay. But if it's cold, you're putting ice, frozen fruit, and like raw vegetables or something, then that's a net. Okay. So I used to make a smoothie and then I basically wait like an hour until I got to work. So that would have probably been close to room temperature at that point. So that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not as bad. (laughs) Would you recommend lightly steaming leafy greens before you smoothie? You can. A lot of people in my program, they do that. So it really depends too, because if you're somebody who has qi deficiency and your digestion's terrible, I don't recommend it at 
all until you could get your digestion in order. Cheese stagnation people typically have pretty robust digestion. So it's it's fine. Like I, I think again in Chinese medicine, it's like everything moderation, but if you're doing it too much, then you get pushed to the other side. So it's yeah. kind of like this pendulum. So if you're having it every single day, three times a day, I mean that's probably a lot. <laughs> yeah. So my next question is your thoughts on the AMH test from a TCM perspective. Nowadays we're very integrative. And and that's what I kind of call myself too. I'm an integrative fertility coach because I'm kind of taking the best of both worlds based on my training and I incorporate that. So I I do love blood work because I just love to see like, you know, for people to know where they are, not that you have to jump into any type of procedure, but it's okay to know what your AMH is or what your FSH is. But Typically, a low AMH or a low ovarian reserve people, the problem starts in the kidneys. Mm-hmm. So again, going back to that reservoir, because we know that women are born with a certain number of eggs. So if you were born with a low reserve, that's a kidney deficiency. If you have really unhealthy lifestyle, we've, we've all done that, right? We party too hard and burning the midnight oil that it's going to exponentially deplete your ovarian reserve because it depletes your kidney chi, your kidney energy. So how that relates to liver is that every time your liver energy is stuck, it draws from the kidneys. If your energy isn't flowing and there's this big traffic jam, your body's like in freak out mode. It's like, I got to get what I need and I can't get it. So that's where you have to go withdraw from your, your savings bank so long story short, <laughs> if you're born with low AMH, that's a kidney deficiency. If you come across low AMH later on, like in your 30s or something like that, then I would look into your lifestyle and see where is the drain? What are you doing that's depleting your AMH number? But the good thing about, I'm not sure if that's the case with the warriors, but a lot of people in my program, their AMHs have gone up after they take a step back and work on diet, lifestyle, and all that. And then they get their energy flowing again. The kidneys are being nourished. Everything's functioning better. And that's when the AMH goes up. So not opposed to it. I think a lot of people freak out when they get the number that perhaps is a little bit lower or something like that. But there's no need to be because even if you, even if never goes up, you have to maximize what you have. I mean, you can't get pregnant. It just means that you have to be more diligent to maximize your chances every single month. Yeah. And that AMH can change, but it might be a good warning sign that something's a bit off that you can then, I guess, work mm-hmm. So now. Yeah. I mean, your cheese not flowing. It's not going to the ovaries. <laughs> Now, before we move on to our speed round, I want you to tell everybody where they can find you, what you've got going on at the moment, um, and let them know a bit more about, yeah, where they can find you. Yeah. So Practically Fertile Podcast. So it used to be called the How to Get Healthy and Get Pregnant Podcast, but my methodology is called the Practically Fertile Methodology. So I just changed everything to kind of be more cohesive. So Practically Fertile Podcast and then the practicallyfertileclub.com. That's where a majority of the information about my programs and my podcast can be found. 
And I have something really exciting that I'm working on. But right after I said that, I was like, oh, I shouldn't have said anything because I'm like, <laughs> okay, now you have to give up like one little clue. <laughs> because I'm like still working on it. It's, I don't even know where to start. It's just, it's something that I'm working on that has to do with Chinese medicine and that you can add to your bone broth. I mean, <laughs> so everyone was just going to have to follow you to find out more. Yes. Um, now that I can't tell you more about it, honestly, it's just that it's still kind of in this testing phase. And I'm like, oh gosh, I probably shouldn't say anything because I don't really even have it all figured out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's move on to the speed round. Do you have a favorite quote or affirmation? Oh my gosh. I didn't prepare for this, Robin. You're just kind of like. <laughs> the first thing that comes into your head. Yeah, this one's stuck in my head and it's by Oprah and it has nothing to do with fertility, but it's what I've always just remembered. She said that friends are the ones who take, who walk with you when your limo breaks down. (laughs) And that, I just thought that was amazing because I, and I, I don't know if it came at the time when I was, you know, how like we go through a stage in life where you trim the branches, you kind of start to get rid of those people who just try not like true friends. Right. And so this quote came into my life at this time. And I was like, Oh my God, this makes so much sense. So that's how I have always remembered it. I just thought it was the most amazing <laughs> quote ever. Do you have a book that you recommend everyone reads? For fertility? I love, uh, it starts with an egg. So I think that that has been, that's definitely one of the best resources, I think, with correct information. Like, you know, I, I don't want to knock other books, but I just think sometimes like a lot of other books are fluffy, but I, I think that it starts with an egg definitely has a lot, a lot of good information. It's overwhelming, but it's good information. Absolutely. Yep. If you could share one message, thought, something even maybe that you want to shake people and scream to them or let them know, what would that be? Yeah, there's no such thing as infertility. That's always been my belief, only because in Chinese medicine, we look at the body very differently. There's no such thing as unexplained infertility. There's no such thing as infertility in general, because as long as you know what your patterns are, where you're blocked and you have a plan on how to overcome those obstacles, you should be able to get pregnant. I mean, obviously, if you don't have a uterus, then no, you can't. But, you know. (laughs) Black and white, but the gray stuff is theoretical. (laughs) Yeah, so that's been my fundamental belief is that, you know, there's not just things infertility. Everyone can get pregnant. Mm, Such awesome advice. Adrian, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I am absolutely fascinated by the TCM approach and I love everything that you're doing for all of our fertility warriors in this space. Guys, go to the show notes if you would like to find all of the links and things like that to Adrian's programs. If you want to just learn more, then make sure you head there. Thank you again for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is a ton of fun. And I'm sure I have, you know, my people would be, they would have the pleasure of hearing from you as well on my podcast. 
absolutely. And we've also, we've even been working on how we can each, Adrian's going to come into our membership as one of our guest experts. We're going to do a swap and we're going to, you know, make sure that we're there supporting each of you with our own unique expertise, experience, skills, and things like that. So make sure that you're subscribed to these podcasts, guys, because, you know, we're very much following a same style but very different path and message. Thank you so much again. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Fertility Warriors podcast with me, your host, Robin Birkin. If you would like more tools, resources and courses to help you survive your journey, please head to robinburkin.com. And if you like this podcast, please share it with others. I look forward to catching you at the next episode.